I want to call the names of the bishops whom we've lost over the last year. And we'll give a moment of silence to their memory. Bishop Hugh Edward Cawthorn, Sr. Bishop Thomas Lee Westbrook. Bishop Cornelius Fletcher Porter. Bishop Joseph Carlton Jenkins. Bishop James Earl Jordan. Bishop Elton Allen Lawrence. Bishop Jesse Moore Dickens. Bishop of Florence Edwards. And Bishop Torrance Wilner Johnson. Just a moment of silence in their memory. Amen. Let's go to the word of the Lord. Turn to Daniel 11 and verse 29. Daniel 11, verse 29. Why don't you stand while I read the word of God? You need to stretch your legs a little bit. Anyway. I'm sorry, did I fail to mention my darling Mother Willie Mae Rivers? We love you, sweetheart. And let's give our Mother Willie Mae Rivers a rousing applause. <laughs> Daniel 11:29 reads, at the appointed time, he shall return and go toward the south, but it shall not be like the former or the latter. For ships from Cyprus will come against him, and therefore he'll be grieved and return in rage against the Holy Covenant and do damage. So he shall return and show regard for those who forsake the Holy Covenant, and forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they will take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And those of the people who understand shall instruct many. Yet for many days they will fall by sword and by flame, by captivity, and by plundering. Now when they fall, they shall be aided with a little help, but many shall join with them by intrigue. Some of those of understanding will fall to refine them and purify them and make them white until the time of the end, because it is still for the appointed time. The latter phrase of verse 32 says, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. I want to talk about great exploits today. Would you say that after me, please? Great exploits. You may take your seat. In the book of Daniel, we're introduced to Daniel, to Shadrach, to Meshach, and the bad Negro. I mean, the bad Negro. Excuse me. They were captives. They were in bondage. They were introduced to God's strategy for restoring, as he had promised, the Jewish people to Palestine. Notice first that Daniel and the other three young Hebrew men found themselves in a culture that advocated practices that were radically different from what they believed were right. I say they found themselves in a culture 
that advocated practices that were radically different from what they believed were right. But they would not bend. They would not waver in their integrity or in their morality. The Holy Bible is the guide of the church of God in Christ. It's our rule for our beliefs, for our worship, for our behavior. The Bible teaches us that abortion as a birth control strategy is wrong. It teaches us that same-sex marriage are wrong. It proclaims that sexual relations between people who are not married to one another are wrong. Though our society, our culture, proclaims that these actions are right, we must not bow. We must not bend in our morality and in our integrity. Because of sin, our world is deeply distressed and troubled. But God has provided for us the principles and practice of holiness, which are the laws of the kingdom of God. We're citizens of that eternal and spiritual kingdom, and we strive to live by the laws of that higher kingdom. We're in the world, but we are not of the world. And if all men lived by these principles, this world would be a place of inexpressible joy. Second Corinthians 7 and 1 says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. For a moment, let's observe God's strategy for delivering his people from captivity. In the book of Daniel, chapter 3, it describes how the king of Babylon decreed that anyone who did not bow to the image that he had set up would be cast into a fiery furnace. The sound of the music, people all over the kingdom bowed down and worshiped the image that the king had set up. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow. They would not worship. And because they did not bow, they were bound, hands and feet, and thrown into the fiery furnace. But to his amazement, when Nebuchadnezzar returned to the furnace and looked inside, he exclaimed, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they said, yes, O king. He said, but look, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. But amazing thing, there were four men in the fire, but they took only three men out. And it's amazing, why didn't they take the fourth one out? But I believe it's because the fourth one said, I'm going to stay in here. So when Charles Blake gets thrown in here, when the people of the Lord are thrown in here, then I'll still be there to take care of them too. But you look over towards your neighbor and tell your neighbor, God is in your fiery furnace. It won't hurt you. It'll just set you free. Clap your hands and praise God. In Daniel 3.29, the king declared, there is no other God who can deliver like this. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the providence of, a province of Babylon. Sometimes your greatest tragedy will be just before your greatest promotion. Go through, come out, get over your disaster and start looking for your promotion. Does anybody feel like they've got a promotion on the way? Ask yourself, what did I learn from that? What can I use out of that to help me get to a higher level? Daniel himself 
had a similar experience. King Darius of Persia was tricked by his advisors into decreeing that no one should petition any god or man except him for 30 days. And the penalty for disobeying this command would be death in the lion's den. When Daniel heard the decree, he continued to pray to his God three times a day as he always had done. But now he opened up the doors on the second floor of his house, got in the window of that house and prayed before the whole kingdom so everybody would know that he was going to pray to his God. The book of Daniel describes how he spent the night in the den with the lions. But early the next morning, the king found Daniel alive and well. And in Daniel 6.26, the king declared, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. We're talking about God's strategy for delivering his people out of captivity. In Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. None of the wise men in the kingdom could interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Only Daniel. But then in chapter 5 of the book of Daniel, the son and successor of Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, was holding a feast at which he ate and drank from the vessels that they had taken out of the temple of God in Jerusalem. While drinking from these holy vessels, he spoke words of praise to idol gods of wood and stone and iron and gold. And a hand appeared out of nowhere and began to write on the wall of the room. Nobody but Daniel could read the message. The message was in Daniel 5:26, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. You've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain. In the book of Esther, chapter 6, verse 1, the Bible informs us that the kings of that period kept and consulted extensive records regarding the affairs of their kingdom and regarding the affairs of the kingdoms that were around them. So it was a setup. God had developed such a reputation that when Ezra the priest went to Artaxerxes, the king of Persia, and said, listen, we Jews want to go back to Palestine and worship our God there. Artaxerxes immediately checked the record of what happened with the three Hebrew boys and what happened with Daniel and what happened to, with Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar and he immediately responded with an unequivocal, yes, you can go back to Palestine and worship your God. But can we take time just to show the thinking of King Artaxerxes in speaking these words? In Ezra 7:11, King Artaxerxes presented this letter to Ezra the priest. And he said, from Artaxerxes, the king of the Jews, to Ezra, I decree that any Jew in my realm, including the priests and Levites, may return to Jerusalem with you. I and my council of seven hereby instruct you to take a copy of God's laws to Judah and to Jerusalem and send back a report of the religious progress being made there. We also commission you to take with you to Jerusalem the silver and the gold that we are presenting as an offering to the God of Israel. Moreover, you are to collect voluntary temple offerings of silver and gold from the Jews and their priests and all the provinces of Babylon. These funds are to be used primarily for the purchase of oxen and rams and lambs and grain offerings and drink offerings, all of which will be offered upon the altar of your temple when you arrive in Jerusalem. The money that is left over may be used in whatever way you or your brothers feel is the will of God. In other words, he said, spend all you want, all I give you, and then keep the change. And verse 19 says, take with you the gold bowls and other items we're giving you, 
for the temple of your God at Jerusalem. And if you run short of money for the construction of the temple or for any similar needs, you may requisition funds from the royal treasury. I'm going to sign a check and give it to you blank. I, our tax Xerxes the king, send this decree to all the treasurers of the provinces west of the Euphrates River. You are to give Ezra whatever he requests of you, for he is a priest and teacher of the laws of God, of heaven, up to $200,000 in silver, 1,225 bushels of wheat, 990 gallons of wine, any amount of salt, and whatever else beyond that the God of heaven demands for his temple. And then our Artaxerxes tells the reason why he allowed them to go and why he gave them so much. For he said, for why should we risk God's wrath against the king and against his sons? I also decree that no priest, Levite, choir member, gatekeeper, temple attendant, or other worker in the temple shall be required to pay taxes of any time. Everybody is going to live tax-free. The king, Artaxerxes, the most powerful man on earth, made all these provisions for Ezra and the people of God because he didn't want God, the God that delivered Daniel from the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace, the God that punished Nebuchadnezzar and had him eating grass like an oxen, the God that took Belshazzar out, or Taxerxes said, whatever y'all want, I'm glad to give it to you. Just ask your God, don't bother me. Don't hurt me. Don't punish me. Don't let his wrath fall on me. Oh, how great. Oh, how awesome is our God. Magnificent in providence, glorious in power. God used the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, modern-day Iran as instruments of judgment. And then by his mighty works and miracles, he caused kings to so fear and respect him that they gave his chosen people everything they needed and sent them back home to do the work of God. When a man's ways please the Lord, he'll make even his enemies to be at peace with him. So God uses fiery furnaces. He uses lion dens. He uses dreams and visions to bring his purposes to pass. And the miracles that these four young men experienced were not just for them, but also for the glory and for the purposes of God. In other words, he didn't just deliver them from the lion's den and the fiery furnace to deliver them but he delivered them so he could use the testimony of what he had done in their lives to make kings deliver the whole nation of Israel and send it back home again. The miracles that God does for you are not just for you. They are for the glory and for the purposes of Almighty God. Tell your neighbor the miracles that God does for you are not just for you, but they are for the glory and the purpose of Almighty God. So child of God, do God's will, walk in God's way. You may go through trials, you may go through tribulations, but I want to encourage you, trust in the Lord. Believe God for the resources that you need. God's purposes for you will be fulfilled. And when people see the blessing of God on your life, then people will bless you also. God's favor will bring the favor of men. And when you're really committed to God, not only will God be committed to you, but God will cause people to be committed unto you. Daniel died in 545 B.C., but he had prophesied in the book of Daniel, chapter 9, verse 25, that the Messiah would come to a restored and rebuilt Jerusalem with a wall and with streets. It was said that the rebuilding of Jerusalem would take place during troubled times. Zechariah 9 and 9 had said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just 
having salvation, lowly, riding on a donkey, and a coat, the foal of a donkey. This was a prophecy regarding the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, into Jerusalem. And it implies that the Jews have got to not only be back in Jerusalem, but the temple has got to be built. The wall has got to be built. And God's people are to be secure in the city of Jerusalem before God brings the Messiah to the earth. Micah had predicted in Micah 5 and 2 that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And so these and other scriptures indicate a prophetic consensus that the Jews would rebuild Jerusalem and be gathered there when the Messiah came. So the challenge was how to get the Jews back into Palestine, how to secure them there until the Messiah comes. Ezra and Zerubbabel carried as many as 60,000 Jews back to Palestine. Many of them settled in Jerusalem. Over the years, thousands more migrated back to Palestine. But while the Israelites were reestablishing themselves in Palestine, they had to deal with various foreign powers that were constantly seeking to rule over them. Alexander the Great had conquered a huge territory, but his empire had broken into four separate kingdoms after his death. Daniel had prophesied very precisely all of these things, but he also predicted that a king would arise more wicked than all of the rest. And he would, that king would set out to eradicate morality and godless, godliness from the nation. Daniel called him a vile person. And most biblical scholars would say that this person was Antiochus IV Epiphanes. He was a violent person. And he was angry and had a hatred for the Jews and a hatred for their faith. And just two centuries before the birth of Christ, he made up his mind he was going to get all the Jews out of Palestine and literally wipe them out if he could. He attacked the city of Jerusalem and slew 40,000 people. He also captured 40,000 people and sold them as slaves. He boiled the flesh of pigs and sprinkled the broth on the temple and on the altar of the temple. Pigs under Jewish law and Jewish tradition are not only considered filthy and ritually unclean, they're considered offensive to God and to the sincere worship of God. He entered the Holy of Holies and took the temple vessels and the treasures from the temple. He prohibited worship in the temple unto God. And he consecrated the temple to the god Jupiter Olympius. He offered pigs on the altar in the temple to his god and made the temple desolate of divine worship. But the next verse, the text verse reads like a jewel that sparkles amid the darkness of the context. For it says in Daniel 11 and 32, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. There was somebody in the kingdom who would rise up when everything seemed to be going downwards. The book of the Maccabees, volume one and volume two, provides us with the names of some very special people who were very active between that silent period, between the end of the Old Testament, Malachi, and the beginning of the New Testament. In the second book of the Maccabees, Antiochus Epiphanes, officer, shoved swine flesh, a pig's flesh, into the mouth of one of the men of God, Eliezer, demanding that Eliezer eat pork. And of course, Eliezer had never eaten pork. It was against his faith and against his religion. And the penalty for not swallowing it was going to be death. But Eliezer spit the flesh out of his mouth, knowing that he was going to be tormented to death for doing so. In the second book of the Maccabees, chapter 7, it tells the story of a mother 
who with her seven sons were all put to death because they would not deny their faith or forsake their faith. And the most notable fact is that they all died having faith in God and holding on to their conviction. The Bible also tells, the book of the Maccabees also tells us the story of Matthias Maccabeus and his five sons who made up their mind to defend their faith. They restored temple worship. They restored sacrifices in the temple. They protected the Jewish people as the Jewish people pursued the loss of their faith. They took more, they, they involved themselves in advancing the work and the kingdom of God. And more than any others, they worked for 40 years to prepare the promised land for the coming of the Messiah. They rebuilt the temple. They restored daily sacrifices. They were furious warriors for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They fought against the army of Antiochus and defeated it twice, though his army was larger than theirs, though his army had greater and more powerful weapons than they did. Sometimes they had to fight in the open without even weapons except crude farm tools. They spent time out in the wilderness. They left their homes and their loved ones. They sacrificed their lives because many of them died fighting for the victory. But they defeated Antiochus' army twice and defeated them both times. And so when the time came for the Messiah to come into Palestine, Palestine was ready because of the effort of these men. They that know the Lord shall be strong and do great exploits. Hallelujah. They that know the Lord. Paul said, I just want to know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. He looked at the Ephesian church and said in Ephesians 1.15, Therefore I also after I heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I don't cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I want you to know him. And Paul said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. If you know the Lord, the Lord will give you strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings just like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. And so God needs some strong people to do exploits to his glory. And Paul said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The people that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Biblical prophecy would have been turned upside down without the work of these men who were strong in God and did exploits in his name. They gave their lives, but even in their death, they were clearing the way for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to come into Palestine and do the work that he did. The people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. An exploit is a heroic deed. An exploit is something that is not frequently done. An exploit is a sacrificial gesture. Hallelujah. And God says, I want you to do something that has not been done before. I want to take you to a level that you have not gone to before. Isaiah 54 and 2 says, enlarge 
the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtain of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. You're going to break forth on the right and on the left. And your seed will inherit nations and make desolate cities for our God. God wants somebody to claim your city for him. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, God wants you to claim your city for Jesus Christ. We are called to minister and witness to a deeply distressed and troubled world. There's trouble all around. We're losing our children. We're losing our men. We're losing our families. Osama bin Laden cared nothing for the $25 million that he had inherited. He cared nothing for his own life. He could have relaxed and enjoyed the money. He could have gave up luxury, but he gave up luxury to pursue his goal. The soldiers of ISIS and the soldiers of Al-Qaeda give up their lives for what they believe in. They'll tie a bomb to their body, walk into a crowd, kill themselves, and kill thousands. Put a bomb in a truck, drive it into a building, get on an airplane, take over the airplane, fly the airplane into a building, and lose their lives. They believe, they trust, and they step out for what they believe in. But if they are willing to do that for what they believe in, how much more can't we do something for the God that we believe in? If they die for what they're involved in, we ought to live for what we believe in. God wants to give us life and that more abundantly, but he wants us to use our lives for his glory and for his honor. Hallelujah and exploit is a notable act. It's a heroic act. And Jesus said in John 14 and 12, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, will he do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will, I will do it. Look at your name and say, greater works, greater works. I don't know about you, but I've decided down in my heart, I wanna go higher, I wanna do more. I want to bring glory to the name of our God. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, go higher, do more. Bring glory to the name of our God. Oh, bless the name of God. Jesus said in John 15 and 15, no longer do I call your servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things. I have heard from my Father. I have made known unto you everything I know. You know everything God's told me. I've told you. You've got everything you need to do great works. You've got everything you need to have great miracles. You've got everything you need to do everything that I would have you to do. Tell three people you've got everything, everything, everything you need to do God's work. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, unto the uttermost part of the earth. I give you power. I give you power to tread on serpents. 
to tread on scorpions. I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Come on and praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Oh, bless his name. The book of Hebrews 11 and 32 walks into that silent period of 400 years between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. He looked back and talked about some biblical characters from the Old Testament. He talked about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. But then he went into that silent period and began to talk about folk who had, who had quenched them, the violence of fire, who had escaped the edge of the sword, who in their weakness were made strong, who became valiant in battle and turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised back to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better generation. Others had mockings and scourgings, chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. They were not, the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in the desert, in the mountains, in caves of the earth. They obtained a good testimony, but they did not receive the promise. Listen, if they worked like they did without the promise, how much more should we do with the promise? Wherefore, we accomplished about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let's lay aside every weight, every sin that does so easily beset us. And let's run, tell your neighbor, run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Yes, oh yes, child of God, child of God, our great God that flung the stars against the blackness of the night, our great God that put the sun and the moon on high, our great God that taught the wind to blow, taught the water to flow, our great God that raised up Jesus from the dead. Our great God wants to do great things in our lives. I said, our great God, our great God wants to do great things in our lives. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, our great God wants to do great things in our lives. He wants to take us higher than we've ever gone. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm upward bound. Lord, take me higher. I want to go higher. I want to do more. I want to bless your work to dream the impossible dream, to fight the unbeatable foe, to, to try when your arms are too weary, to go where the brave dare not go. This is my quest. This is my desire to follow that star. No matter how hopeless, no matter how far, and the world will be better for this, that one man scorned and covered with scars still strove with his last ounce of courage to reach, I said to reach, the unreachable star. God said, call, call unto me. I will answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things. Tell somebody, great and mighty things are on the way. Tell them again, great 
mighty thing on the way. Come on and praise him. my mind. I want to get out of the box. I'm not going to let the devil put me in a box. Whatever I can dream, I can accomplish. Whatever I can believe God for, I can do it. Whatever I need, the God that I serve is able Abundantly above all. Tell your neighbor exceedingly. Abundantly above all. I'm going to get out of the box. I'm going to do something I have not done before. I'm going to go somewhere I have not gone before. I'm going to believe God for a miracle that I've never had before. Come on, child of God. The world is going down the world is distressed the world is troubled it's troubled more young black men in jail than in college the world is troubled more young black men are being shot down on the streets of our country if they don't shoot one another down the police are shooting them down our world is distressed and trouble. Our daughters are having children while they're still children and more children are being born to unmarried young ladies than to married young ladies. Our world is in trouble but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I don't know about you today, but I made up my mind. Lord, I'm going to do your will. Lord, I'm going to work for you. Lord, I'm going to step out. Step out by faith. Why don't you take that step? Take one step. Say, Lord, I'm stepping out by faith. Yes, yes, too long, I said too long, have we lingered in the shallows, too long, have we asked God for small things, we've got a great God who can do great things, if he can raise Jesus from the dead, there is nothing my God cannot do, too long, have we stood around, on the shore but Jesus came along and said Simon lunch out into the deep let down your net for a catch of fish Simon said Lord we've toiled all night long and we've taken nothing they were tired they were discouraged they've been working all night and what they had wanted to happen had not happened Somebody in the house today is tired and you're discouraged. Your membership has not grown. The money is not coming in like you would like for it to come in. It's rough. Your board is giving you trouble and members won't come to church. You're tired and you're discouraged. But another thing that Jesus was telling Simon Peter to fish at the wrong time and to fish in the wrong place. They fished in the shallows, not in the deep, because in the deep, the fish could swim under the net and escape. And they fished at night rather than during the day because fish could see the net coming through the clearness of the water of the Sea of Galilee. And so at the wrong time and in the wrong place, when they were tired and when they were discouraged, the Lord said, launch out into the deep and let down your net for a catch of fish. Simon Peter said, Lord, we've toiled all night and we've taken nothing, but nevertheless, at thy word, I will, I 
let down the net. Child of God, you may be tired, you may just be discouraged, but let down the net. Anyhow, God has a miracle with your name written on it. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, let down the net. Anyhow, God has a miracle with your name written on it. Oh, help me praise him. Help me praise him. Help me praise him. Simon Peter launched out into the deep, let down his net for a catch of fish. They enclosed a multitude of fish so that the net began to break. And when they got the fish in the boat, they had so many fish that the boat began to sink. I just came by to tell somebody that God has a net breaking, boat sinking blessing in store for you. Grab your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, God has a net breaking, boat sinking blessing in store for you. Yes, get out of the shallows, launch into the deep. Yes, go somewhere you've never gone before. Yes, do something you've never done before. God has a harvest in store for you. Grab your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, when you see me next year, look up because I'm not going to be on this level. I'm going higher. know the Lord in here they shall be strong and they shall do great exploits somebody in here is tired somebody in here is discouraged somebody in here feels you may have been working in the wrong place that your timing was bad that what you wanted from God, you've not yet received it. But I hear the Lord saying, try again. That's what Jesus said to Simon Peter. I know you've been trying all night, but I want you to try again. Try again. You're tired, you're discouraged. Family life may not be what it ought to be. But the Lord says, listen, I'm ready to work a miracle in your life like I've never done before. Try me again. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. 
Will you tell three people it's morning time? It's morning time. It's morning time. This is your moment for a blessing. God is taking his people to another level. This is a time for miracles and a time for blessing. Come here, my miracle son. Where is my miracle son? 1993. My son was leaving his apartment on his way to have some food with a friend. Young man stepped in front of the open door, pulled a 45 caliber pistol, put it in my son's chest, said, get back in the house. My son tried to close the door before the young man could fire. Young man shot my son, sent a chest, point blank, the 45 pistol. Sister Blake and I rushed to Atlanta not knowing whether our son was alive or dead and not knowing whether he would live even after we found him still just hanging on. But in six days, somebody say six days. The young man who had been shot point blank center chest with a 45 slug walked out of the hospital in his own power and by his own strength. When the slug hit his chest, God said, turn down and don't hit his heart. The slug went down into his lung. He still got it in his body, but he's alive and well and preaching the gospel. Come on and praise God, everybody. Praise God, praise God. Two months ago, we were leaving church. We'd had a wonderful Sunday night service. As we prepared to leave, we heard gunshots next door. A young man in the gas station lot next door to us had fired into an automobile and injured an individual. The young man ran out to the sidewalk with a gun still in his hand, ran down a few feet to the courtyard entry of our church, the old church, the old facility, shot his gun in the gate in the courtyard where people were walking around, shattered the door and began to walk across the threshold of the gate all of a sudden he fell on his face flat face down on the sidewalk stayed there five minutes stayed there ten minutes we assumed he'd been shot by someone in the gas station and that he was just not bleeding but the bullet wound had finally caused him to collapse he lay there 15 minutes the police came and looked at him pulled him up and pushed him back down began to investigate the crime scene. Paramedics came, pulled off his shirt, explored his whole body to see what it was that had killed him because they thought surely he was dead. Finally, they picked him up, put him on the gurney, tied him down, an ambulance pulled away from the church. And when the ambulance pulled away, he opened his eyes and said, what happened? I know what happened. God slapped him down. for trying to come on God's property with a pistol for a man's ways. Please the Lord. He'll make even his enemies to be at peace with him. Do you have any enemies? Get down to this altar. Come down here just as fast as you can. If you're tired, if you're weary, oh, bless the name of God. Oh, bless the name of God. When my enemies, even my foes, came against me to eat of my flesh. They stumbled and fell. God's going to make somebody's enemies stumble and fall in here. God's going to work a miracle in somebody's life. Those are Bible-like miracles. Those are miracles of biblical proportions. If you need a miracle, if you need God to show up in your life, if you need to be saved, you want to give your life to the Lord Jesus. Step out quickly, come and stand before the altar. This is your time to be blessed. This is your time to get your miracle. Pastors, especially pastors, this is the day of great exploits. This is the day of great accomplishments. 
I see thousands of people coming into your church. I see thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars being made available to you to do the work of the Lord. I see individuals coming into your church who have the ability to take your church to the next level, help you in a way that you have needed to be helped. I see God doing something in your ministry like he's never done before. If you want to believe God for miracles on your ministry, step out, get out here as quick as you can. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God bless ministries. In the name of Jesus, send people by the thousands. In the name of Jesus, break the restraint that the devil has placed upon ministries all over the nation. Bless discouraged preachers. Bless broken-hearted preachers. Bless preachers' wives struggling, trying to help their husband. Bless them in the name of Jesus. God, show up in a mighty way. Fill them again with the Holy Ghost. Let your power be upon them. In Jesus' name, I see great success. I see great success. I see great success. I see great exploits. In the name of Jesus, let it be done. In the name of Jesus, bring it on, dear Lord. In the name of Jesus, I see a change. I see a change. I see a change. Hallelujah. I see broken hearts put back together again. I see bodies healed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. Save that soul. Change that life. Set them free. In the name of Jesus, clap your hands, everybody. Give praise to God. Clap your hands and give praise. Oh, praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shake hands with three people and tell them I'm at a new level. I've reached a new level. I've reached a new level. In the name of Jesus, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Everybody return to your seat. Everybody return to your seat. Keep on praising him. Keep on praising him. There's somebody who's been healed. There's somebody who's had the pain eradicated from your body. You had pain, but the pain is gone. You were sick, but the Lord has healed you. If that's you, give praise to God. Give glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! It's done! It's done! Grab your neighbor by the hand and say, Neighbor, God has a net breaking, boat sinking, blessing, a net breaking, boat sinking, blessing in store for you. Praise Him for it. Hallelujah. If you feel like you're ready to do something greater for the Lord, just raise that hand. Somebody ought to want to do something great. Somebody ought to want to get out of the box. Somebody ought to want to move to the next level. I want to hear the Lord say, well done. I want some greater works to be in my life. I want God to take me higher than I've ever gone before. I'm not through yet. And I don't believe God is through with me yet.
tell your neighbor, God's not through with you yet. He that hath begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ.